I want to start by praying and I want to ask if you'd all just stand up. God wants you to be receiving this morning. I am not speaking to anybody's heads this morning. I'm speaking to hearts. And I want us to start by just being in that posture of receiving, that posture of having an open heart to God to allow him to come and what he, do what he wants to do because there's things he wants to do this morning that I can't do. And I want to hand over everything to him. Holy Spirit, we invite you to come. You've been here and you've been working all morning and we ask you for more. We ask you to come and make yourself known in this place. Lord, I give you what I have prepared this morning and I say do what you want to do with it, Lord. (laughs) Multiply it as you did with the loaves and fish. Rip it up if you want to. Lord, I pray that you would come and that you would meet with every person in this room. That each person would have an encounter with you this morning. I pray that no heart is left untouched. I pray that you come and you continue the work that you have started. Lord, there is nothing we want more than to meet with you this morning. So God, we invite you to come. Make yourself known this morning. Come and take over. We give you permission to have your way in this place. In Jesus' name. Amen. Do I need to? Oh, there we go. It's going. (laughs) I've got slides. I've never done slides before. I've even got a clicky thing, so it could all go wrong. (laughs) And that's fine. (laughs) So the image that I'm looking at this morning is the image of Jesus as the bridegroom and what that means for us. Now, marriage is a relationship that involves a depth of intimacy, an exposure of one person to another. And this is what we're going to be looking at with with God this morning. His heart for us to know him and to be fully known by him. And I want to start with a description of Jesus. Because as we talk about intimacy, I've heard people diminish it to talking about Jesus as a boyfriend or you know you you almost kind of talking it down so that Jesus becomes our equal and that is not what we are talking about this morning so I want to read this descriptions from description from Colossians because I want us to see Jesus as he is this morning so it says he is the image of the invisible God the firstborn of all creation. For by him, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things. And in him, all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. This is the Jesus that we are talking about this morning. He is God Almighty. He was there at the beginning. He was 
<laughs> he was the one that creation was created through. He is the one that creation brings glory to. He's the one that you and I exist because of. We exist because he loves us. We exist because he had the power to create us. We exist because he has the power to hold us together. And he is above everything. Every idea that man can have, he is higher than that idea. Every every earthly ruler, every earthly authority, Jesus is higher. And so today, as we look at this intimate relationship that he wants to have with us, we're going to hold this picture of Jesus. Because we need to know that he is God Almighty and he is a God of love and he is a God of intimacy. And that we are drawn into a relationship that is beyond anything that we can imagine. We are invited into relationship with this God, with this Jesus. He is the one who wants intimacy with us. He is the one who wants to reveal a love to us that is so fierce, it is beyond any love that we have. If you imagine the the person you have loved the most in your life, and then you need to multiply that beyond what you can imagine, because the love of God is so much greater And he wants us to experience it. So my prayer for us this morning is not that our heads get round it. It's that our hearts know it. So if we go right back to the beginning, before the fall, we see the relationship that God wanted to have with Adam and Eve. And there's a simple phrase in the Bible. It says that Adam and Eve walked with God in the cool of the day. And that's a very simple sentence, but it actually tells us a lot. The phrase, the cool of the day, comes from the Hebrew word ruach, which means breath or wind. And it's ref- it refers to the presence of God, to the Holy Spirit. And so this, this simple sentence isn't talking about the time of day. It's not talking about the weather. It's not talking about a little stroll. It's talking about the fact that, that Adam and Eve did everything in the presence of God. There was no barrier between them and God. They saw the natural as we do, but they saw the spiritual in, in the, to the same extent. God was not hidden from them. They saw God. God saw them. They were exposed before God. We know in the, in, in the beginning, Adam and Eve were naked. God saw more than their bodies. <laughs> God saw the entirety of them. And that is the relationship that God always desired to have with us. But that relationship was broken when Adam and Eve wanted their independence. When they wanted to be like God. When they wanted his glory for themselves. That relationship was broken. Now it can be easy for us to think, if only they hadn't done that, then everything would be fine. But you know what? Every single one of us, had we been in that position, had we been tempted by that fruit from that that tree, every single one of us would have taken it. Because there's only one person that's walked this earth who wouldn't, and that's Jesus. He is the only one who is without sin. And when Jesus came, he came and he, he demonstrated that relationship with God again. There was no barrier between Jesus and God. Jesus walked in the power of the Spirit. He was full of the Spirit. He did what he saw his father doing. He knew exactly what God was doing. He knew exactly what God wanted him to do. He walked in this communion with God. 
He received that love daily. The number of times in the Bible, it says that Jesus went off to a desolate place and prayed. And we don't know what he prayed because he wanted that time on his own with God. He loved being with the Father. Now, when when Jesus came, his, his coming was announced by John the Baptist who said, sorry, <laughs> he said, I am not the Christ, but I have been sent before him. The one who has the bride is the bridegroom. The friend of the bridegroom who stands and hears him rejoices greatly at the bridegroom's voice. Therefore, this joy of mine is now complete. He must increase, I must decrease. Throughout the Old Testament, throughout Israel's rebellion against God, God kept speaking to Israel as the bridegroom. He kept speaking to Israel as his bride. And Jesus has come to continue this, to restore that relationship. Not just to keep telling Israel that that uh, she is the bride, but to restore the whole of creation into that relationship with God. I want to take a moment just to look at what marriage was like in biblical times, as in the marriage ceremony. Because it was a little bit different to, to, to our experience. It was in two parts. So the first part was the betrothal, which was a ceremony in itself, and this was legally binding. We might be familiar with this because this was where, this was the point that Mary and Joseph were at when, um, the angel Gabriel came to announce, uh, the birth of Jesus. And then the second part would be the marriage ceremony, which could be months, a year later. But it's a, it's a betrothal ceremony that I want to, to look at a little bit this morning and how this happened. So a young man would want to find himself an eligible young lady, which could have happened in a number of ways. It could have been an arrangement between parents. It could have been that the father sent out to, to find a suitable bride, as in the, the, um, the story of Abraham, when he sent out a, a servant to find a bride for Isaac. Or it could be that the, that the man himself found somebody who was eligible. Now, the typical place in, in biblical times for finding an eligible young lady was by the well. There are many stories in the Bible about, um, about uh, people meeting at the well and getting married, which could explain some of the horror that the, that the disciples felt when they found Jesus talking to the woman from Samaria at the well. He had said he was the bridegroom. So the, the young man finds himself a lovely young lady, and he then goes to talk to her father to, to, to seek his approval for this marriage. And assuming that 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 he approves and he says, yes, you may marry my daughter. He will then invite his daughter in. Now, this could well be the first time that the two have met. They may have known each other. They may have grown up together, but it could be the first time they met. And this may not be a long meeting, but what would happen during that meeting is that the, the groom would offer his potential bride a cup of wine. And this is probably the nearest to what we would think of as a proposal. He would offer offer the cup of wine, and if she agreed that she was wanted to marry him, she would drink from that cup. 
and assuming that that we're all still on track, the next thing that would happen, now, ladies, you're not going to like this, but just take your 21st century hats off. The groom and the father would agree, sorry, a purchase price. <laughs> doesn't, doesn't, uh, we, we don't like it, but you know, it's not, <laughs> it's a long time ago. They would agree a purchase price. It was less about ownership of the woman and more about the fact that this young lady will have been working in her father's house, possibly working on the land, and for his household to run, he may have then needed to get hired work when she left the household to go and be part of her new husband's household. So that just kind of eases that a little bit, doesn't it, ladies? <laughs> We're okay. <laughs> and so at this point... When the, when the cup has been received and the purchase price is paid, this has been legally binding. Jesus came to pay the greatest price for his bride possible. Yeah. Let's go back to that picture at the beginning. We've still got it up. The one who was the image of the invisible God. The one who knew glory from the beginning. The one who created all things, the one who holds things all together, the one that we exist for, to bring glory to, came and gave up his glory in heaven. He came and he died on a cross for us. Now, I find it, I can, I can almost get immune to, to the cross because we do talk about it a lot. We know Jesus died for us and sometimes we can forget the suffering that Jesus went through. We've heard that this morning about the suffering that Jesus went through. The crucifixion is probably the most brutal form of execution that has ever been thought up by man. It's, it's horrific. And it's not just the, the, the cross itself. It's the, the torture that Jesus would have gone through before. He would have gone through immense physical agony and suffering that we can't imagine. But there is other suffering that I think Jesus went through that we find it harder to get our heads around. Jesus, who was without sin, who was without blame, who was the object of his father's affection, he took on the wrath of his father. He took on that separation. He said, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus became separated from the one that he loved for us. But also, Jesus was a holy God. He was glorious. And he became sin. He became our sin. Every sin that we have ever committed, every sin that the world has ever committed, Jesus took it on and he became that. The very thing that he despised, the very thing that could not stand in his presence, he became that for us. So there is a level of suffering, a cost to Jesus that we can't imagine. You may have never received Jesus in your life, you may be sitting here thinking, who is he? What is this? Is all this true? But I can tell you, Jesus is standing before you this morning. He is looking into your eyes and he is holding out a cup. He is holding out a cup of wine to you and saying, I did this for you.
I did this out of the depth of my love for you. Will you drink of this cup? Will you receive me into your life? Will you receive my forgiveness? Will you allow me to wash away everything that you have ever done wrong? Will you allow me to take away all of your guilt, all of your shame? Will you allow me to restore you? Will you allow me to be Lord of your life? Will you allow me to come in? And that is a choice we all need to make. Some of us have made that decision. But if you have never made that, I want you to see Jesus before you. The choice is yours. So here we have a bridegroom who is, his love is beyond extravagant. And some of you this morning, you might struggle with this picture of the bridegroom. You might have had a negative experience of marriage. Sometimes, as, as humans, we, we get it wrong. We can hurt each other. But Jesus is the bridegroom who will never fall out of love with you. He is the bridegroom who will always have your best interests at heart. He will never put you down in front of other people. He will never be unfaithful to you. He will never control you. He will never criticize you. He will always lift you up. And he has made a commitment to you, if you accept it, for the rest of eternity. In human marriage, we make a commitment for life. With Jesus, it is a commitment forever. That nothing can change. Now, when I was uh, first chatting about the fact that I was was, going to be doing this sermon about the bridegroom, I won't mention any names, but I had somebody who said to me, can you do it in a way that the men get it? So men, (laughs) men, are you still with me? Are you awake? I haven't lost you. I'm going to read a description in a moment of the bride. But just as, ladies, we are sons of God, don't lose sight of that. You are children of God, you're daughters of God, but you are sons of God because sons are entitled to an inheritance. So ladies, we're entitled to an inheritance. Men, you are made for love. You are made for intimacy. You are made for a, a commitment for all eternity. And that is what Jesus wants for you. This is not about being a woman. This is not about picturing yourself in a pretty white dress, having your hair and your nails done. But ladies, we can do that. (laughs) I've lost my clicker. (laughs) So this is John's vision that he has in Revelation. He says, come, I will show you the bride, the wife of the Lamb. And he carried me away in the spirit to a great high mountain and showed me the holy city, Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, having the glory of God, its radiance like a most rare jewel, like jasper, clear as crystal. This is not a picture of women. This is a picture of a holy city. That is what we are. We are a holy city. And this picture, this isn't of an individual. 
This is a picture of a multitude of every believer who has ever walked the face of this earth. This is a picture that includes Abraham, David. It includes Peter, James, John, Paul. It includes Billy Graham. It includes Finney in India. It includes the friends Ian's just made in Bulgaria. And it includes you and me. It also includes some people that don't know Jesus yet. <laughs> it's wonderful just to picture that diversity that will, that will come together when the bride is ready for Jesus and he returns. But there's another bit that I want to look at that follows this bit. And I seem to have a different bit. I'll read, I'll read you all bit. <laughs> that the angel who talked with me had a measuring rod of gold to measure the city, its gates and its walls. The city was laid out like a square, as long as it was wide. He measured the city with a rod and found it to be 12,000 stadia in length and as wide and high as it is long. So what's the significance of this? This is a picture of an enormous building, a cubic building. Now, if we read on, it tells us that God himself will be the temple. This is the bride. This is a description very similar to that in 1 Kings of the Holy of Holies, the square part of the building that was made in the temple for God's presence. The bride of Christ has been is made and prepared to carry the presence of God. It's, we are made to carry his glory. We are made to carry his love. We are made to carry his power. Now this is a picture of when Jesus returns. But Paul says, do you not know that you are a temple of the Holy Spirit? We're not waiting till Jesus comes again for us to know the intimacy of God. We were created for that now. And it is by the Holy Spirit filling us that we grow into that intimacy. So I just want to spend a moment looking at how we can grow in intimacy. When I first started my walk with God, I was in a, in a church that didn't really talk about being filled with the Spirit. We didn't talk about baptism in the Spirit. I didn't even know it was a thing. And my faith was a very head knowledge one. It was all to do with thinking, to do with understanding concepts. And then when I got to be about 17, there was a move of God that came out of Toronto, came across to the UK, and was really impacted a church up in Sunderland. So a group of us from our church started going up there. And my memory of that time is spending a lot of time on my back, on the floor, absolutely drenched in God's love. God's love became a reality. It stopped being something that I could talk about and it started being something that I just hungered for. Something that I could be filled with. And that changed my walk with God. That stirred a passion in me. That stirred me in so many ways that even today I've, I'm still living in the fruit of those times. 
So if you want to grow in intimacy with Jesus, the first step is to receive that cup, to receive him into your life. Intimacy with Jesus is the way to the Father. Often I'll hear people talking and they want to talk about praying to God, maybe even reading their Bibles, but they want to bypass Jesus to get there. It's not popular to say this, but Jesus is the only way to the Father. We cannot be in relationship with God. We cannot be filled with the Holy Spirit if we do not accept Jesus as the Son of God, as our Lord and Saviour. Do not try to bypass him. Now, it is possible that we can spend our time praying and reading our Bible and never experiencing intimacy. And we know that because Jesus pulled the Pharisees up on it. They knew their Bibles. They knew the scriptures inside out. They only had the Old Testament, but they knew it inside out. But they didn't recognize Jesus when he came. So what can we do? What can we put into place in our lives that help us to grow in intimacy? The first thing we need to do is we need time. We need to give time to God. We need to give time to the Holy Spirit. Any relationship we know needs time. People in a marriage, you need time with each other, don't you? It's the same with God. You cannot grow without spending time with him. And I want to throw out a real encouragement to you this morning. If you're struggling to find time for God in your life, ask him what needs to change. Ackland just brought out that that real encouragement for us to to ask God what we need to lay down. One of the biggest things that we have is the things that take up our time. If you are too busy for God, you are doing something that he hasn't asked you to do. He might say something as simple as put your phone in the cupboard. Or he might say something more dramatic. We need to surrender our time to God because without time with him, we'll never grow in that intimacy. When you do spend time with God, don't come with an agenda. Come and ask him what he wants to do. What does he want to say to you in that time? What does he want you to read in the Bible? What does he want you to pray about? Allow him to speak into that before we come with our agendas. Yes, there might be a book in the Bible that we're wanting to work through, and that's great. Yes, there might be things that we know we need to pray into. But ask him first what he wants to do, because he may have something fresh and new that he wants to speak to you that day. And when you do pick up your Bibles and read it, Don't just try and fill your head with what's in there. Talk to him about it. Ask him about it. Pray it into your life. Expect him to speak to you. Jesus wants to talk to you. Jesus has lots of things to say to you. I have a book that as soon as I sit down and spend time with Jesus, I write down what he's going to say to me that day, what he is saying to me that day. Expect him to talk to you. Because I've got to the point now, if I don't pick up that book, I'll have that sense of the Spirit saying, where's your book? He'll pick me up and he'll tell me. Expect him to speak to us. Worship him. Get your eyes off yourself. I need to get my eyes off me. And I need to get my eyes onto Jesus. I need to see how glorious he is. Because I need to see that he is greater than anything this world has to offer. I can sacrifice my time for him because he is greater. He is worth more than anything else that can take up my time. 
And I need to see that. He is above all things. He is preeminent in all things. And I need to see that. And be real with him. Don't worry about flowery, spiritual, Christianese language. That's not what God speaks. Be real. Tell him it as it is. Tell him what's on your heart. Pour it out to him. Because he knows it anyway. And you can tell God things he knows because it's not about informing him. It's about building a relationship with him. Pour it out to you. Now that's not an exhaustive list. You might have other things that you do that help you to engage with God. And I'd love to hear them because I am always open for more things. But as you grow in intimacy with God, as you grow in experiencing his love each day, this comes with a bit of a health warning because he's going to change you. God's love is sacrificial. When God's love fills you, you will become sacrificial. You will start doing things that you've never done before. You will start loving people that you've never loved before. You'll start giving things up because they just don't have the same appeal as they used to have. Or because you think, no, this is not what God wants in my life. It will change you. The Christian life is not the easy way out. We have God with us, but that doesn't mean that everything's a bed of roses, but it does mean that we become passionate. There's a a really inspiring couple who I've been reading about recently, Heidi and Roland Baker. This is a couple who um, have given up their their careers, they've given up... um, kind of the the luxury of their lives and they've gone over to Mozambique and they've worked with orphans and they've also spent time training up other missionaries. And I've been reading a, a book about some of their experiences. They have seen the power of God at work. They've seen food multiply in their hands, a little bit like the stories we heard when, um, when Laura was preaching, um, a couple of months ago. And it's really exciting reading, but when you read it, you hear the hardships that they faced, the difficulties, the challenges, the personal challenges that they've had. And it makes you ask, what is it that enables them to do it? Well, the book that I've been reading gives away the answer to that question. It's called Compelled by Love. They can do that because they are compelled by love for Jesus. They have fallen in love with him as he has loved them. But also, they have fallen in love with the people of Mozambique. You can't give up your lives like that for people that you are not in love with. If you spend time receiving God's love, you are going to fall in love with people that you would give up anything for. It might be the people of Bulgaria. It might be the people of India. It might be the people down the road from you. It might be the people in your office. It doesn't matter where those people are. God is calling us to be so full of his love that we pour that love out to others so that it changes our lives and it changes their lives because they could be some of the people in that picture of the bride of Christ, part of that holy city that he wants you to reach for him. You're his plan A. He doesn't have another plan. He uses his church to build his church. 
The bride of Christ is not yet complete, but there are people out there who God is so passionate about that Jesus died for them. At the beginning of this year, I felt God highlight to me three basic prayers that he wants me to keep praying. The first one is, show me who you are. I've started this morning with that, wanting to show you who Jesus is, just how glorious he is. Show me who I am. I need to receive God's love. I need to remember who I am in him. But I'm also praying, show me the purpose. Show me the call. God's heart is to see his kingdom come on this earth. And he wants his church to be so gripped with that vision, with that desire to see his name made known, people fall in love with him, people worshipping him, that all we can do is surrender to that. So I'm going to invite the band to come back up. And I'm just going to ask that we all stand again. I'm going to read some words over us. These are, again, these are Heidi Baker's words. But I want, to, I want you to picture, as I'm reading this, I want you to picture Jesus in front of you. So close your eyes. Stand in a posture of receiving. Arms out if that's, that's helpful to you. Let your imagination see Jesus. And then I'm going to pray over you. Every time I have a vision or impression of Jesus, I have always been undone by his eyes of love. They are like liquid flames of fiery love. Many waters cannot quench this love. Focus on his face, church. Focus on his heart, bride. If we have the courage to lock gazes with him, he can purify our hearts. When he looks into us with his eyes like a flame of fire, eternity is branded on our hearts. We must behold his face to become like him. Then we can dwell in the fire of his embrace. Isaiah says, who among us shall dwell with the devouring fire? Who among us shall dwell with the everlasting burnings? He who walks righteously. To dwell in this fire, we must fix our eyes on Jesus. Then when people peer into our eyes, Jesus will look back at them. Jesus, I pray for every person in this room to see you before them to be able to look into your eyes. Lord, we want to be undone by who you are. We want to be amazed by your glory. We want to be amazed by your love. And Lord, we come hungry for your love, hungry for your presence. Lord, would you pour that out on us this morning? Would you fill us with a love beyond anything we have ever known? I pray for every person who has never experienced that love 
to be flooded by it now, Lord. I pray for every person who knows that love to be flooded with more, God. Lord, we pray for more. We pray for that spirit of revelation to be over every person. We pray that every barrier to your love falls. We pray that every fear of your love falls away. Lord, I pray that you take us beyond our heads and into our hearts. Let your love come like that consuming fire. Fill each person. Change each person. That as we gaze into the eyes of others, they would see your eyes. They would see your love. They would overflow with your love. going to go into a time of ministry so if people on the ministry team would come out if you have had that picture of Jesus before you offering you that cup and saying to you this morning will you accept me and this is the first time you've responded to him and you want to say yes to him you want to give your life to him The ministry team would love to pray with you through that and to have a chat with you about what that means. If you have been listening to me and thinking, I don't know what it's like to experience the Holy Spirit filling me, to experience God's love powerfully. Jesus wants to fill you this morning. Jesus wants to have that encounter with you. So can I encourage you to come out and receive prayer? Or if it just feels like such a long time since you've received that, don't hold back. Jesus isn't holding back. We would love to pray with you. We don't want anybody to leave this morning without knowing the love of God. So as the band go back into some worship stay in that place of receiving and come out if you would like some prayer